This audio podcast is from the River Church in Fort Worth, Texas. We hope God uses it to encourage and grow your relationship with Christ. For more information about the River Church, visit us online at theriverdfw.com or facebook.com backslash theriverdfw. Man, that was awesome. <laughs> that, was, that was really good. I'm thankful that we come to a place where we can come into this place and just worship God like that. You know, we're very blessed to be in a nation where we can worship freely like that. And so, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm excited. So my name's Joel Libermento. I'm a part of the dream team here at the River Church. Uh, my brother-in-law, uh, Michael Gerald, is the pastor here. And so my sister, I got a call this morning at 2 a.m. They're up at the hospital. My nephew Judah is being born as we speak. So y'all give them a round of applause. Yes. <laughs> So be in prayer for them. The reason I say give them a round of applause is because we have our second campus with us today. Facebook Live is over here. What's up, guys? And Mike, if you're watching it from the uh, hospital room, yeah, we're cheering for you guys. Go, Katie. Go, Katie. So, uh, you know, we just had to give a shout out there. <clears throat> so because uh, then we want to we want to pray for them. And I'd like to do that this morning. Um, but you, I'm going to be with you for the next couple Sundays. Um, next week, we're going to be kicking off a new series. So you're not going to want to miss that. Um, but let's just take a second before I begin. Let's pray for Mike and Katie. Um, you know, we love our pastors and and I'm excited for them and how our family's growing. So let's just kind of bow our heads right now and just say a prayer for them. Dear God, as your church, God, we just want to recognize how thankful we are to have a pastor like Mike and a pastor like Katie. God, I just want to thank you for their life and how they invest in us and in this body of believers every week. God, I just want to pray for them right now. I pray peace, uh, joy, excitement right there in their hotel room right now. I mean, uh, uh, hospital room, not hotel room. Uh, uh, just just be with them, God, while they're there. And uh, Lord, we just pray f- that Judah will show up healthy, strong, and God, that we'll have a, a good report. And God, as a church family, teach us how to love them and continue to love them as their family grows. So God, we thank you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to get a text from Mike, probably Facebook Live. Like, you think we're at a hotel right now? What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my goodness. All right, well, let's uh, let's kick off. I want to um, read a passage of scripture to you. And you, you guys can read along with me, and then we'll uh, we'll get into it. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Luke. We're going to read out of chapter 7, verses 36 through 50. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, New Testament, if you're looking for it. So this is a story. Say it again. This is a story, Luke 7, 36 through 50. All right, this is a story... Um, one of my favorite stories in the scripture. Okay. Uh, it's a, it's where Jesus is anointed by a sinful woman. I'm going to go ahead and just read it to you. I'm reading out of the NIV. Uh, so it might look a little different than what you see on the screens, but let's go ahead and read it. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited uh, him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. 
Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. He owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. And the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this scripture. I thank you for the story and the way that the life of this woman uh, has, has and will impact our lives. God, and I pray today that you teach us how to be broken before you in a way that we may have never known. God, break down the pride and, and give us the humility to recognize, God, you are the creator of all things. Today, God, we just ask that you speak to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, so I read an article uh, the other day, and I was really debating on whether or not I should share this with you um, because it's a little controversial. Uh, and the article was entitled this, um, Your Mom Lied to You. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. I, I'm already just going to apologize in advance. Your mom lied to you. All right. Uh, I was going to save this for Mother's Day, but I just thought, nah, that's not a good one to share on Mother's Day. Uh, your mom lied to you. And the article went through a bunch of things um, that we kind of just accepted because our moms told us. Uh, or maybe you just let, let me just get into the list. OK, the first one was this. All right. And just let me know. You can you know, you can be like, yeah, amen. If you have to let me know that, you know, this kind of resonates with you. Uh, the first one was when you get a cut, you need to put some hydrogen peroxide on it. Yeah. One person. OK, you know what I'm talking about. One person. Yeah. yeah. You, did you ever get a cut? And then your first thing, your mom was like, come in here. And they got that brown bottle. Ooh. Oh, when I saw that brown bottle, I just started. I wanted to run. Right. And she put that round bottle. So anyway, the science, the, the science, they did some tests around it. The latest research says that hydrogen peroxide actually damages cells and makes the healing process longer. We all knew that. We knew that when the stuff hits your skin, you know, your skin cells are dying. It's, it's sizzling. We knew that. But we just accept it, right? We're just like, yeah, yeah, mom, yep, you are the authority. I believe you. And you're just sitting there burning, crying. Ah. The other thing, uh, and this is, this is kind of funny, that cracking your knuckles gives you arthritis. Wow. So this dude, right, named, he's a doctor from California named Donald Unger, all right? For 60 years, he cracked his knuckles on his left hand, but not his right. And you know what he concluded after the 60 years? Yeah, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference. Uh, in honor of this guy, I think we should do this. I think everyone should get your hands out. We're going to pop our knuckles on three. You ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah, can we do this in church? Huh? All right, here we go. One, two, three. Ooh. Ooh. That sound never gets old, man. Oh, my gosh. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. No difference, all right? You guys could go for 60 years and pop your knuckles. Nothing's going to change, all right? We just accept it. We're just like, yeah, you're right. I better not. 
The other one is, uh, and this one got me, man. This one got me. Don't swallow your gum because it takes seven years to digest. Man, listen, I lived for years in oppression. I thought gum was just like piling up in my body. Like I was just, oh, I just, just, I mean, for years, I, I mean, literally, I thought this was freeing for me. I was like, man. So if you're in here and you're like, you know, hey, you know, I, I didn't know that. They did tests. They did a colonoscopy test. It shows you're fine. All right. So next time you're chewing gum, you, you don't have anything to do with it. Swallow that thing. Like swallow it. You're good. You're good. All right. There's no difference. Okay. There's no difference. All right. There's certain things that we just kind of accept. Maybe passed down through our family. Uh, you know, there's just things that we, we, over time, we learn to accept. Um, some things, however, have larger ramifications in our lives, especially in the area of our spiritual life. All right. There are things that we accept and I'm not going to go through everything because luckily Jesus touches on it all. But, uh, things like we have to earn God's love. We got to work hard. We got to do all this to earn Jesus's love. And there's just so many different things that when it comes to, uh, when it comes to some of the spiritual things that we believe, sometimes we have to take a check and say, is that something that scripture says? Or is that something that God has said? Or is that something that was just passed down for me? Reinforced maybe by the people around me, reinforced by the culture around me, or maybe my parents. And uh, believe it believe it or not, there are a lot of things that we accept in our spiritual lives that we just, we've taken from somewhere for someone or the culture around us. This is, I love Jesus. All right. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't be up here if I didn't love Jesus. I shouldn't be up here. Uh, but I love Jesus. And one of the incredible things that he does in scripture is he shows up and he debunks all those myths, all those ideas. He shows up and says things like this, like you, you've, you've read it maybe. Uh, and it says, Jesus would say stuff like this. He said, I know you've heard it this way, but I'm going to tell it to you like this. And Jesus just, I mean, and throughout scriptures, he twists our mind. When we come to know Jesus, he transforms our hearts and our minds to see the life that we have and the life that we're living in a new way, in a new, from a new perspective. All right. And so I'm going to really challenge us today to see our life in a new way, in a new perspective, according to this, uh, to the, to the scriptures. Uh, here's what I want to do. I want to play a video for you. But I have to preface this video, okay? Uh, as if I'm probably not in trouble already enough. I'm gonna play this video. <clears throat> All right, there's a guy on this video. His name is Chris Pratt. Anybody know who Chris Pratt is? Word, okay. Uh, Jurassic World, let's go. Um, so anyway, he's an actor, okay? And a comedian. And he got nominated for this incredible award at, at the MTV Teen Choice Awards. All right? So when you hear him speak, I, I, I'm saying too much. When you hear him speak, just know he's talking to teenagers, okay? Don't get offended. Don't act like you were never a teenager once, all right? All right, he's going to say some funny stuff, but he's going to say something incredible. Hey, let's roll that video. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to present this year's Generation Award to Chris Pratt. Thank you. Can you hear me? 
I don't want to lean down. <clears throat> I want to thank Bryce and Aubrey. I love you both so much. Uh, thank you, MTV, for this honor. Uh, real quick thanks to my mom and my dad and my brother, Cully, my sister, Angie. I love you. I love our family. We didn't have a pot to piss in growing up, but we laughed our butts off every day, and we still do. Uh, and a special mention to my son, Jack, who will watch this one day. Kid, I love you. I love you more than anything in the world. And to the fans, I wouldn't be here without you. Thank you. Um, this being the Generation Award, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut to the chase and I'm gonna speak to you, the next generation, okay? I accept the responsibility as your elder, so listen up. This is what I call nine rules from Chris Pratt, Generation Award winner. Number one, breathe. If you don't, you'll suffocate. Number two, you have a soul. Be careful with it. Number three, don't be a turd. If you're strong, be a protector, and if you're smart, be a humble influencer. Strength and intelligence can be weapons, and do not wield them against the weak. That makes you a bully. Be bigger than that. Number four, when giving a dog medicine, Put the medicine in a little piece of hamburger, they won't even know they're eating medicine. Number five, doesn't matter what it is, earn it. A good deed, reach out to someone in pain, be of service, it feels good and it's good for your soul. Number six, God is real. God loves you. God wants the best for you. Believe that. I do. Number seven, if you have to poop at a party, but you're embarrassed because you're gonna stink up the bathroom, just do what I do, lock the door, sit down, get all the pee out first, okay? And then once all the pee's done, poop, flush, boom. You minimize the amount of time that the poop is touching the air, because if you poop first, it takes you longer to pee, and then you're peeing on top of it, stirring it up, the poop particles create a cloud, goes out, and then everyone in the party will know that you pooped. Just, tr just trust me, it's science. Number eight, learn to pray. It's easy, and it's so good for your soul. And finally, number nine, nobody is perfect. People are gonna tell you you're perfect just the way you are. You're not. You are imperfect. You always will be, but there is a powerful force that designed you that way. And if you're willing to accept that, you will have grace. And grace is a gift. And like the freedom that we enjoy in this country, that grace was paid for with somebody else's blood, do not forget it. Don't take it for granted. God bless you. Please get home safely. Thank you. All right. Y'all give it up for Chris Pratt. Chris, I know you're watching Facebook Live. This is for you. <clears throat> Man, what a crazy video. Like, I watched this video. Of course, you know, it's funny how he can, like, talk about poop and then go in and say, pray more. You know, it's like, wow, okay. But, uh, man, I saw this YouTube video, and I listened to him. What a brave. I, I didn't even know he was a Christian like that. And then on top of that, he gets up in an arena like that and shares 
his faith in that, in that way. And I just felt like it was so incredible. If you go look at the YouTube comments underneath, there are like even atheists and people who don't even agnostic, who don't even believe in God or believe there is a God on there saying like, Hey, that regardless of what he's promoting, like I, I uh, admire him for his courage. And so anyway, I just felt like that video was crazy. Now, how did that make you feel? Like, what did you feel in that video? There should have been a level of awkwardness. Yeah, because that was, <laughs> was awkward. I've never heard anybody talk like that at an award show. So inappropriate. Can't believe I showed that video. Um, but other than that, like, I got chills when I watched it. I don't know if you caught the tail end of that, what he said, but he said, just like the freedom that we have in this country, people died for that. There's uh, someone who died and gave his blood for grace. Like, I mean, there's no denying. He was talking about Jesus in that video. He was talking about Jesus on that stage in front of those people. You know, I wonder, you just kind of naturally wonder, you're like, how many of them caught that? Like, no doubt they felt maybe the Holy Spirit in that room. And that's why they're like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, maybe some of them didn't know, you know, what he was talking about. I just love it because it's interesting how in that arena, he, he showed a different perspective on the way you ought to live your life. It's not like he just preached a sermon. I'll just leave now. No, he said, you have a soul, take care of it. You know, he talked about grace. He talked about praying. I just, he presented in an arena like that, a different way of living and people were receptive to it. And in our lives, as we're called to follow Jesus and be a Christian, there are times where God is asking us to show and portray and live a different perspective, a different way of life. Let's, let's look at the story for a second. Uh, so I read this passage to you. And, uh, man, you can go ahead and just put up the first verse. <clears throat> we talked about uh, a Pharisee. Um, a Pharisee in this passage, so I'm just going to summarize it a little bit. Um, this woman goes to a Pharisee's house, okay? Uh, and Jesus is there. A Pharisee is a person, and I'm going to try to be real kind. A Pharisee was a religious leader back in the day that claimed to follow God, looked perfect on the outside, okay? And back then, these Pharisees would go into the temple, okay? And they would they'd pray on the street corners, and they would look perfect on the outside. When Jesus showed up, he, he blasted them. He even called them, and I love this, you heard me say it before, he calls these Pharisees, you whitewashed sepulchers, which is like a whitewashed tomb full of dead men's bones. He's talking to these religious people. And, I, you know, this challenges me because in Christian communities and in churches all over America, we show up like we've got it all together. We show up like we got to be this perfect Christian. We show up kind of hiding and masking the pain and things that we're facing. And these Pharisees, they did it in such a way where they would show up in the temple. People were afraid to go to the temple because they'd be judged. My prayer is that as we grow as a church, that we won't be like that, that people won't be afraid to walk in here broken before God because people, because we're walking around like we got it all together. And I know that's kind of hard talk, that's family talk, but I'm just being honest. Like in this passage, you're going to, it's going to hit you hard because, because uh, God is calling us out of that, out of that. We act like we have our act together, right? The Pharisee, he made the focus on the outside, all right? 
A lot of times we feel like we got to keep up our appearances. Okay, we're going to let people down if we show them that we struggle. All right. Typically, we follow all the rules, right? I mean, how many times have you heard people think and really believe that Christianity is about a list of rules? All right. And Jesus comes to them and he says, I, I know you've been taught that it's what's on the outside, but it's not about that. It's what's on the inside. And what happens on the inside comes out. It's kind of an inside out way of following God. Okay. Just like Chris Pratt, he shows up in a space where people don't hear that. They don't hear you need to pray. You have a soul. Take care of it. I believe in God. You ought to believe in God. You don't, you don't hear that because it's upside down. It's inside out. It's kind of a backward way of seeing the life that we live in. But that's what's so beautiful about Jesus is he came and he flipped the script to where now it's, it's different. It's different. And so we learn to kind of keep track of how we're doing on the outside. And we kind of learn to keep up our appearances and we have a smile on our face and we have no problems. But Jesus says, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And uh, it was just, uh, we're going to get into this a little bit, but um, I want to talk about brokenness today. Brokenness. We sang a song earlier where we asked God, break us. You know, we, we want to live in brokenness. Um, let me ask you a question just to kind of show you an idea of how backward kind of our life is and the world is. Um, how many of you guys, when you get a, your car breaks down, right? Your car breaks down. Have you ever had your car break down? Anybody? Mine did the other day. I was like on Watauga Road, headed to Western Center. I was in the middle lane. My car just died. And I have a Chevy HHR, not a PT Cruiser. All right. Uh, <clears throat> nothing against that. Everyone just says it's a PT Cruiser. And it died in the middle lane. And luckily, I, I, you can say what you want. You can say I'm being overly spiritual. I broke down right next to an advanced auto parts and the dude comes walking out and he's like, Hey man, I have an HHR. I know exactly what's wrong with it. I'm not, I'm just saying it was God. But, uh, so yeah, when our cars break down, has anybody ever had just, uh, I'm trying to think of some stuff an appliance breakdown. Uh, may anybody ever drop like a plate or a cup, anybody and breaks. Typically what we do and the way we think about it is that when something breaks, it decreases in value. Wouldn't you say kind of decreases in value? We're going to, a car breaks down. We got to get a new car. You know, something happens to our dishes. We got to get a, new, a whole new set. And we do the same thing with people sometimes. Think about it. I'm just being real. Okay. We, we see homelessness. We see people who, who have, who are strung out on drugs. We see people who are struggling in the church. A lot of times we have a tendency to want to separate ourselves from them as if, as if they're broken, as if brokenness is something that is a problem, okay? Or as if we've got to replace that. But here's the beautiful thing about God is that God thinks the opposite. When he sees brokenness, he sees something that's beautiful. And a lot of times in our brokenness, we try to fix it ourselves. And that never goes well. I mean, you do not want to see me try to fix my car. You do not. It is it's going to be a disaster. They're going to be like, where's your wheels? I'm like, oh, forgot about that. But when God fixes us, he makes us whole. And when God sees brokenness, he sees beautiful. He sees beautiful. So I'm going to walk through the story a little bit. All right. So Jesus gets invited to a Pharisee's house. All right. This is a big deal. Jesus at this point in his life is kind of like a, a he's like a celebrity. Okay. He's celebrity wherever he goes. 
So this Pharisee's like, hey, I want you to come over to my house. So Jesus comes over to his house and he's sitting there, right? And uh, this kind of cool, it says in some translations, they recline at the table. Man, I wish we could put recliners at the table. That would be awesome. They just recline, chilling, just eating. And Jesus is there with the Pharisee and they're just hanging out. I want you to imagine how crazy this is because we just, we just read it kind of just through. I just read it through. But when you really look at these stories, it kind of blows your mind away. Uh, blows your mind away when you think of the context. They're sitting there eating dinner. And this woman comes busting through the door. <laughs> and you know, they're like, what is going And she's crying. Now just think about it. You guys are sitting at the house eating and a woman breaks into your house and she's crying. Yeah, y'all gonna be freaked out. The Pharisee knows who she is. And she comes in and she gets down at Jesus' feet and she's weeping. And she looks down at his feet and notices that his feet haven't been washed. And her tears are kind of dripping off of her face onto his feet. And you can kind of see just the tears kind of rolling off of his dirty feet. And she starts to wipe it with her hair. Scripture says that she had some perfume, an alabaster box of perfume. All right. The passage and a lot of uh, scholars say that this woman, she practiced prostitution. And that in her line of work, she, she didn't have anything. In fact, all the money that she had went into this bottle of perfume. So she breaks that bottle of perfume. This moment is so important to her. She breaks that bottle of perfume and she starts to wipe the perfume on his feet. So Jesus is sitting there. <coughs> and, uh, and, and so anyway, it's great because he looks at her. Um, and here's the, here's the crazy part about it. I want to, I want to read through it. Let me read through it real quick. I don't want to just summarize it. Let's just read through it. Okay. It says when the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. What, what? A woman in that town who had lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he said to himself, "Is this man? if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Listen, you can't escape Jesus. He looked at her and he thought to himself. He didn't say this out loud. He said if, this, if, if he knew who she was, and Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Mm, that's not good. That's not good. You do not want Jesus. <laughs> First of all, Jesus is reading your mind. Second of all, he's addressing your mind. Uh, <laughs> like this is not a good situation. And if Jesus is going to say, hey, I have something to tell you, you definitely don't respond like this. Tell me, teacher, he said. Oh, Lord, this, dude's, <laughs> this dude is going to get a spiritual whooping. All right. Uh, and so basically, here's what happens. You, you see it. He tells this story. All right, I'm not going to go through the entire parable, but he tells a story and he's trying to show him, uh, tell, tell him about, uh, about forgiveness. And then he blasts him. Okay. He says, then I, uh, then he turned towards the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? So like, she's there crying. He turns to the woman, doesn't even look at Simon. He says, do you see this woman? Oof. 
I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins has been, have been forgiven. And the crazy thing about this that I love is that Jesus looks at this woman, all right, and finds her brokenness beautiful. In the Jewish culture, if you had a guest come into your home, that guest was to, his feet were to be washed, all right? They lived in a time where the feet were just filthy, all right, dirty, okay? You walk into a house and the guest, the host was to wash the guest's feet, all right? Not only that, they were to give a kiss. I know that's weird for some of you guys. This is a different culture, all right? But they would give a kiss, all right? Maybe on the cheek, forehead, as a blessing, okay? And then uh, what, what else is there? He says, won't stop kissing my feet. The oil, sometimes you would anoint your guests and, and give them some oil as, as, a, as an honor, all right? The Pharisee, all right, he's sitting there and he didn't do any of those things. This woman breaks into the house and does all of these things and Jesus puts him on blast, all right? This guy He's, he's perfect. He thinks he's got it made. He doesn't even value. He thinks he's okay. He doesn't even value who he has in front of him enough to give the honorary customs, to do the honorary things, to honor his guests. And she comes in broken and desperate in need of salvation. This is how, here's how broke this guy was. All right. He had been studying the scripture since he was like 13. He knew all like basically the first, you know, five books of the Bible in, by memorization. Like this guy knew everything about who Jesus was and he didn't even recognize who he was in front of him. He lived his entire life dedicated to the scriptures and dedicated to following God, but he didn't recognize who Jesus was. And when we read this, typically we want to be both people, right? We want to be her, right? Because she comes in and she's anointing his feet and she's doing the right thing. This is the proper response. When you see the savior of the world, you ought to be broken before him. You ought to just worship him in the way that she has, right? We want to be her, but we also want to be him. We still want to be good. We want to have it all together. And so we kind of find ourselves torn. But if you want to experience God's grace, love, value, and purpose, you have to be broken. And this is extremely good news. Do you want to know why? We're all broken. We're all broken. If you don't think you're broken, you're broken the most. We're all broken. Okay. And we need Jesus. Again, this idea of brokenness is a posture of your heart before God. So look at this story. He's sitting there. He's thinking that he's the one that he is doing well. And the Pharisee is looking at her thinking she should be embarrassed of herself. No, he should be embarrassed of himself. He knows all of those things, but doesn't even recognize Jesus as his savior. The less you see brokenness in yourself, the more you need it. Stop trying to hide it and stop trying to avoid it. I was thinking of uh, when I was growing up, uh, I was in high school. I grew up in a Christian community. And, uh, and typically, as I was like a leader in the youth group and all this kind of stuff, and I never shared any of my struggles. I never shared any pain 
or anything like that because I felt like people would see me weak or they would think that I misrepresented God or, or something like that, or I would let people down. I lived with that into college. When I got into college, I got around guys who were honest about their struggles and honest about being broken before God. And I realized that the gospel and the love of Jesus spreads farther and does so much more in this broken world when we're honest about our failures and we're honest about our brokenness. My challenge to you is to not come in here and not to live your life like you've got it all together, but to be honest. My wife, Katie, she always challenges me on this because she's she's so honest about what she's going through. And there's some times where I'm like, oh, I wish you wouldn't have shared that. But what I've seen is that when God, when she is honest about what she's dealing with, it breaks walls down. People can be real. People can know that they're the same and that they're loved by God. That's the challenge of the scripture is that if you're broken one, you desperately run to him. That's the response. We naturally always want to shy away. I've done something wrong. I've disobeyed God. He's not happy with me. And so we shy away. We don't run to God. The proper response is to run to God, to get at his feet. And the next thing is to be honest and real because this Pharisee got blasted, blasted. So I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm from, I'm, I'm a city boy. I will admit it in a public venue like this. Um, now I live in Texas and, uh, and I still, this is kind of like the place I live is suburban area, but I'm from Atlanta, a little kind of urban. Uh, and I don't know anything about horses. I don't know nothing about horses. Okay. In fact, it's so bad. I'm allergic to horses. That's not funny. That's not funny. No, no, no. I I went to a birthday party. This is a true story. My wife is here. She can tell you. I went to a birthday party. and I'm throwing the football with the guys, you know. Yeah, just tossing it, feeling good. We just got a tour of the ranch. Man, I'm feeding catfish in the pond. They're like, they're raising uh, rabbits to eat them and stuff, crazy stuff. They got horses. I'm petting the horses. I'm like, I'm a little nervous, but I'm just kind of like, you know, just kind of petting them from a distance. So anyway, I'm throwing a football and everything, and my wife walks up to me, and she's like, hey, taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around, and she goes, whoa, have you seen your face? I was like, what? She's like, go in the bathroom. So I went in the bathroom. I looked in the mirror, and I was like, oh, my gosh. You ever seen the movie Hitch, Will Smith? My face was swole up. I had my cheek was swole up. My eyes were swole up. Man, I didn't even recognize myself. I'm allergic to horses. I even went to a rodeo and, and the people we went with, they booked seats way up in the stands because and the entire time I'm just crying, not because I was emotional or if it was beautiful, even though it was, I was just allergic. It was terrible. I lost my voice. It was bad. Oof. Anyway, the whole reason is I'm learning about horses, <laughs> I'm learning about horses. And I found out uh, that when a horse all right, they, they get these wild horses. Some of y'all are like, yeah, you're preaching the choir. You get, they get these wild horses. They put them on these ranches, okay? All right, and I heard this story from this old dude. He was telling me, he's like, hey, I had this. I have a daughter, and she breaks horses. I was like, breaks horses? What are you talking about? She gets these wild horses. She takes them out there, and she walks them around, and she's she's kind of like correcting their mistakes and kind of training them and guiding them in which way, where they should go. And sometimes it's kind of rough. Sometimes it's kind of rough. You know, God can be a little rough on me sometimes. Uh, and he, and she's training these horses, right? They're bucking. She finally, she'll get up and they're bucking and riding. They're crazy doing their own thing. 
And she'll get to where she works with this horse enough to where this horse then is able to be ridden, can do tricks, can do all this kind of stuff. I just started thinking about like our brokenness with God. Kind of reminds me of this. Like how many of us remember how we were just doing our own thing? Wild. Just doing our own thing. Made mistakes, you know, that were self-destructive, destroyed us. And when we came to know God, he started to kind of break us in. He started to break us, right? Kind of break through some of that selfless, that selfishness, that nature that's like, I'm about me. I'm going to do what I want to do. And just like a horse, we then, once we're broken like that horse, we're able to fulfill our purpose, to be ridden. I was thinking about this. You know, you ever seen a glow stick? I tried to pick one up from Party City today, but they weren't open at 6 o'clock. Um, take a glow stick. What do you got to do? You got to break that thing and shake it and then it fulfills its purpose. And this morning it's about brokenness. This series that we're about to kick in we're about to get into in the next couple weeks is going to be all about others. It's going to be all about the hurting people outside these walls. But before we can even love people like that, before we can even uh, share the love of Jesus with them, we have to live in a posture of brokenness before God. Listen, if you're a man in here and you've, you're a self-made man, everything you have, you've created with your hands, I want to remind you, who gave you those hands? We have to live in a posture of humility before God. We have to be broken of our pride. Before we can experience Jesus in a powerful way, a transformative way in our life, we have to be broken and humble before God. We have to realize that we don't have it all together. And we can't be afraid to show the world our brokenness. And so I'm going to pray, and the band's going to come out here. Um, and I just want to challenge you guys, as we move forward, live a life of brokenness. Live a life of brokenness. Brokenness. Don't be afraid to share what's going on in your life. I want to challenge you this week to, sh- to share with somebody something you might be going through. All right, don't be afraid. Be fearless. And you're going to be surprised, okay? You're going to be surprised when, when they're, they're just like you. Let's pray. God, we just thank you. God, I thank you for this story of how this woman, broken before you, God, came to your feet. God, I pray that today, those of us in here who have had a crazy week or living in brokenness, God, will come to find you. God, just like a broken bowl, God, we could try to fix ourselves, but we're still going to be broken. But God, you are the creator of all things. And when you mend something together, we can live in our purpose. When you put a bowl together, it holds water like your purpose, like its purpose. And so God, I pray today that as we kind of pursue this, uh, pursue you and the desire to help others, God, I pray that it starts right here in our personal lives. I pray, God, that you break us and make us whole. God, let this be the beginning of something beautiful. Brokenness is beautiful before you, God. And thank you for your love and your grace. We ask this in Jesus' name.